Hi, my name is Beth, and I am the host of the Seeking Light podcast. In a world that presents us with growth and challenges, there is tremendous light. And this podcast is a source of light through scriptural insights that I have gained through the years. Come join me as I share light in a world that can sometimes be confusing. Okay, everybody, I am so excited for you to be here today to listen to this podcast. Wherever you are, get ready. Um, I have a friend, Amanda. I have literally known her since she was a little girl and we lived in Eugene together and she lives. We live up here now closer up to Portland by each other and she runs an outdoor preschool and it has fascinated me for years that she does this. And sometimes when we get together, we'll kind of talk a little bit about it and, and, and ask questions with each other. And recently I thought, you know what? I totally should have Amanda jump on the podcast and share with you guys how this outdoor preschool came to be. And the reason why I feel not only is she awesome and you're going to love her, but I feel like children are so important and I really feel like they're a light in the world and it worries me that we forget their preciousness. And so having six children myself, I just feel like anything we can do to better children's lives and have people like Amanda educating them and teaching them and guiding them, we couldn't ask for a better world. So Amanda, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So we've known each other for a long time and, um, these things are a little nerve wracking. So, um, I'm just excited that she agreed to do it. <laughs> well, I am very passionate about the subject. So it, that helps a lot. <laughs> good, good, good. Okay. Before we start talking about the preschool, I just kind of want you to share with everybody a little bit about your life and where you grew up and also what your education was like as a preschool age child and a grade school. So go ahead and share it with everybody a little bit about you. Okay, so I grew up in Eugene, um, as Beth mentioned, and I am the third of four kids. I have two older sisters and a younger brother. Um, I went to Spring Creek Elementary School, so I had kind of a normal public school education. Um, my, well, let me tell you a little bit about my family now, and then I'll kind of talk to you more about my childhood, but, uh, I have, so I'm married to Jed, who I will probably bring up a lot because he's kind of my teammate when it comes to the preschool. I couldn't do it without him for sure. Um, and then I have Rory, who's 13, Reagan is 10, both girls, and then a little boy that's two, his name is Jaxley. And we live on my grandparents' farm, so it's now my mom's farm, but um, it, my mom grew up here. And we just love being outside. We love gardening. We have a huge garden. We love hiking. Um, I love to read. I love to learn things. So that kind of helps with this job. <laughs> um, I love doing yoga. So that's a little about me. But growing up, I feel like I had a normal education like it was public school but my mom was really thoughtful and good about giving us opportunities to do things like I was in the Oregon Children's Choir um I played soccer and I did a lot of theater and which is really helpful when you teach preschool <laughs> um but my mom um 
I don't think I gave her the credit that she deserves. Now that I have a 10 and 13 year old, I realize how much work it is getting people places. And she really was taking us all over the place. And with four of us, that was really busy. And I'm so grateful for that because I think it gave me a lot of, a lot of things that I use now. Um, Okay. So when I come to thinking about my childhood and, and, and education, really it's a lot of the outdoor memories are what really stand out to me. I have not forgotten. I can totally remember the really neat trees at Spring Creek Elementary School. They had like really big roots and you could climb kind of inside of them. And I remember those details so well. And growing up, uh, I was really good friends with the Matthews and they had a big, beautiful backyard with tons of plants and a tree house. And I can remember so many things about their backyard, just very vivid. And it was fun to kind of think about these things because, you know, doing this now, I forget that these are the things that kids are going to remember because that's, I have a terrible memory. <laughs> and so thinking about the outside things, they're very vivid to me. Um, anyways, that's a, a little bit about, I don't know, do you have well, I want to, yeah, I want to actually ask you, that's very interesting to me that you notice that because I would, I would say, I mean, children are outside, but I don't know if they notice like how you're describing it, the big roots and the plants and the, like, where do you think that came from? Do you just think it's a gift you have, or do you think it comes like, where does it come from? Oh, I think that outside is magic. I really do. I think that it's nature. It's just magical. And as a child, to think about how big it is when you're little like that, it's just going to really, and it's so much sensory. So you're just going to just um, retain so much of that. I remember I had a little uh, friend that loved, she loved to play inside and I love to play outside. And I always begged her to go outside because she had a big, beautiful backyard too. Like, please, I loved hiding outside, like playing hide and seek, um, just making things like mud. Did you ever make mud, mud pies? pies? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. That's not a thing kids do now, maybe at my preschool, but not normal. <laughs> so oh. those are just the best memories, just all the things outside. Did you, when you were going through high school, did you plan to like work find a career outside? I mean, what were your thoughts about your future life as doing something with children or outside or anything like that? Okay. It's so funny that you asked that because to tell you all the truth, <laughs> I'm really wimpy about outside. I don't like to be cold at all. And so, I mean, I feel really proud of the fact that I work outside in the winter with three-year-olds because um, I mean, it's challenging to be out in the weather sometimes, um, but to go back to what you were saying, I, I knew from third grade that I wanted to be a teacher and I always wanted to be an elementary school teacher. So that was my plan, which it's so interesting how you have totally things planned out. And for a long time, I felt like I was giving that up kind of like, oh, I never did exactly what I wanted to do but I finally realized how much better this is for me that I, I just have such a, a wonderful job and I'm so lucky that I get to be outside and kind of create what I want to do 
but you know how we just get kind of stuck on what we were planning and and this wasn't exactly the route I thought I was going to take so no I did not think that I was going to be working outside <laughs> <laughs> so did you I I'm not I can't remember did you graduate from BYU with your early education or what so I I started at BYU in Provo I went for two years and then I transferred to the U of O um, and got a degree in English because it was quicker to finish than to do the elementary ed program. And then I started my master's at the U of O. And then that's what, um, when I was in the middle of that, we moved to Sandy and then kind of eventually started the preschool. So I stopped that and, you know, I always want to go back, but it's, it's not really the right time. I think <laughs> I'm a little busy. Okay. So how, Amanda, how did this all come about? Well, first of all, what brought you to Sandy? So my mom lived here, um, and my dad. And, um, at the time, I think my mom has actually been on the podcast and she's talked about how they were divorced, but then they got remarried. So they were divorced, but lived up here. And so my dad wasn't really as much in the picture. And my grandpa was really in his, he was elderly. He was in his eighties. And he was kind of like, oh, do you have, like, do any of your son-in-laws want to move here and help get the farm back to running? Um, and we were like, yes, please, we want to go. And so we moved into the house that my mom grew up in and no one had lived here for a long time. It was really, we just basically gutted the whole thing. And everywhere on the farm, just like my grandpa was in his 80s. So it had kind of gotten really uh, just neglected and needed some help. And so, I mean, the first, I don't know, I would say eight years we lived here, we were just doing a lot of cleanup and, and just trying to get things kind of back to running order with my mom. And then my dad also when they remarried. <laughs> um, so anyways, he just was like, does anyone want to come? And we jumped at the chance because we knew we wanted to live out and never could live somewhere like this. It's a really beautiful, amazing place. And I mean, I'm so grateful to get to live here. And then even more so to have the preschoolers come here because it never would have been utilized like it is if I didn't have all the kids coming here. So that's really um, a blessing. So anyways, we decided to move up here. And then do you want me to kind of go into how I started the preschool? Yeah, because Reagan, right, would have been two years old when you started. So... Okay, Rory had just oh, Rory. three, yeah, and okay. Reagan was one. One, okay. Or, or I was, yeah, I think I had just had her. Okay, um, so how did it come about? So we, okay, Rory was turning three. We lived here out in the country, you know, in, in this beautiful place. And I was kind of like looking at preschools, but... I obviously had this background and wanted to be a teacher in education. And uh, I was like, you know, I would love to do something out here because it's just such a perfect place for kids. And of course you have all those doubts and it's really scary to start something. And I was just hesitant and I didn't think that like, would anyone really want to come bring their kids to me? <laughs> and so I was telling my dear friend, Lindy, you probably know Lindy. Um, she is just like a saint. And I, I mean, at that time, I really looked up to her. I admired her. I thought she was a really good mom. Um, she was just so, uh, 
just like really present with her kids. And, and I just knew that I, her opinion, I valued it. And so I, her daughter was the same age as my daughter. And I said, you know, I've thought about maybe doing something here. And she's like, oh, I'd send my daughter to you. And I was like, okay, I can do it. Like, it was just her having that faith in me gave me that like little nudge that was like, okay, I can do this. Someone that I really respect and admire that takes really good care of her kids would trust me with her child, then okay, I can try this. So the first year I, I started it, I only had three kids, including my own. <laughs> so really I only had two. And I mean, it was a really magical, it was fun to just be small like that, but hard because I had a baby. I don't really know how I did it looking back. Uh, I, I guess I just started small and then we didn't have a really a classroom or anything. So I was kind of in the house and we hiked a lot. And, um, but since then, it's which days did you do it, Amanda, what, when you first started, was it Tuesday, Thursday or Monday, Wednesday or what? Yeah. And I remember very clearly that I did Tuesday, Thursday, because I needed a full day in between to recover. <laughs> like I was like, I cannot, I have to have my like prep time and my recovery time in between each day to be able to do this, <laughs> which is so funny. Like looking back, I'm like, it's, it was, it's a part-time preschool. Like they're not here all day, <laughs> but it was hard for me. I don't know. <laughs> did you, did anything, I mean, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but had you looked around at other preschools and thought, you know what? I could do this. And, and Rory and Reagan can, you know, I can provide this for them. Like I mean, it, cause you, you know, you don't wake up one day and go, I'm going to run a preschool, like, or maybe I'll do this. So was there other factors that came into it where you're like, Oh this, yeah. So, okay. So tell so more about that. Interesting about that. That's funny because I would never have dreamed or imagined that this is where I would be now back then. Never. And so, yeah, I did not wake up thinking this is what I want to create. Um, I did, I do remember very clearly being thinking, I don't want to have to work to get uh, students. I hate that part of it. And I'm definitely, I'm to that point, which is great. Um, but I didn't like that part. And I was like, I just want people to come to me. I don't want to have to try and get people, you know? And uh, anyway, so back then, okay. So I did that first year when Roy was three. And then, you know, I'm like, does she need to go somewhere else to get used to it? Cause she's going to be going into kindergarten. Does she need to have experience with other teachers and kind of, cause you're, you know, you're trying to figure out what's going to be the best thing for them. And so I took, I, her, so Lindy and I actually went and looked at, I think maybe two different preschools, maybe three. And I was just like, nope, I'm doing this. Like it just, I it didn't feel right to me. And I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing was a good thing. So yes, that helped me evolve. <laughs> so you have three kids to, uh, to was, was, was it Reagan, Rory and Lindy's? Were those the three? Um, I had one other little girl. So okay. Reagan, my mom would watch Reagan, which was really nice. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I had uh, one other little girl and then, and I, I'll tell you, it's really funny that I charged $85 a month back then. <laughs> I think we've tripled now. I don't know. <laughs> so more than tripled. Um, so I just think back to then, I'm like, man, if people really did know what they 
could have gotten back then. It would have been a deal of a deal. Uh, but that was the first year. Then the second year, I I hired someone to help me, and I had ten kids. How but, did word How did word spread? Was it just by word of mouth? People asking about it. Word of mouth is the very best thing. That has been. I mean, we have a really good reputation, and it's totally because our families are so great about talking about how much they love it. And so definitely word of mouth. So word of mouth is slow though, you know, it's just time. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. Okay. What made you choose? I mean, was it just the proximity of the the size of your home where you were like, we're doing outdoor or was it because of your memories as a child and your love of the outdoor that you're, you specifically targeted an outdoor preschool? Okay. I think probably mostly that I knew there was just so much to be gained from here. Cause we have two ponds, tons of forest, big fields. It's just really magical. All the places that we can take the kids. And so I knew that there was so much value in just spending time out here. My house is also really tiny. <laughs> um, and then also my grandma. So like I said, my mom grew up in the house I live in. It was my grandparents' property that we live on. And my grandma, I grew up coming here summers. She would take us on hikes. And it was my favorite thing. I remember writing a story in the third grade about this being my favorite place on earth. So she just was really good about getting us out and taking us around here. And so I had fond memories of that. Okay. So as to year two comes, you've got 10 children. Are you still keeping it to? two days a week? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you hire someone to help you. And what are some adjustments you're making as those early years are going on? Hmm. I mean, okay. We, my whole family came and helped us clean out the barn and that was, I'm sure they were like, so not thrilled to be doing that. (laughs) I think we had maybe plans to like get some cows or something together. I can't remember or if they were just super nice and came and helped us. But our my grandpa kind of would keep a lot of stuff. So the barn was just over your head full of things, old, old. I mean, to be honest, it was a lot of junk <laughs> and just a big mess. And so they helped us clean that out. And then we made the classroom in the barn. So it's kind of unique that we have a barn classroom because it's still very much outside. But um, I mean, the animals live really on the other side of our classroom and the barn classroom has, has changed a lot too. It was, it was a lot more rustic back then. It's still very rustic, but a little nicer. <laughs> okay. You, you have to, cause we're trying, we're all sitting here as we're listening to you, imagining a barn classroom. What does that, is it like two, three walls and an opening with the animals on the other side? Like, what does it look like? Yes, exactly. Okay. So when we originally started, we had put, d- having class in the barn. We just had, there was a ton of old hay in there and that had just never been used. And so we just stacked up hay, like probably taller than the kids, but not as tall as me. So you could still see the other side to kind of make like a little wall. And then, so the, the floor of the barn is, we have like wood chips in there. So, which is actually really nice for cleanup and stuff because you don't have to worry about spilling. But I mean, it's not a finished floor. The walls are metal barn walls and 
we did not have a door on the front of the barn. We've since built a door on the front of the barn and, and we've built a wall where that hay was, but it just really is still outside. It's just as cold out in there. There's no back on the barn. And then we could see where the animals could go in <laughs> before we put that wall. So, and the chickens, we have a chicken coop and they kind of like share a little part of that too. Like the, you open up to get the eggs from inside the classroom. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, uh, when you, I, I've got to go back for just a second. What name did you pick for your, your preschool, your outdoor preschool? So it's called country cottage preschool. And I called it that the first year because our house is like a little country cottage. It's very tiny. <laughs> and I've always loved the, the idea of a cottage. And so that was just kind of what stuck. <laughs> stuck with it. Okay. And then what, tell how many, tell everybody animals, what have you, what did you first get? And then what animals have you added with time? So the first year we had the preschool, we got two little pygmy goats and we were so proud of those goats. We always had chickens. We had chickens before we even started the school, but we got those two little pygmy goats. Those were our first larger animals and they were so cute. And um, that was kind of, the kids have always helped with the farm animals. We, my first year, each of the kids got to pick a chicken, like a baby chick and name it. And so we still have a chicken named Marvy Karina. It, it has a lot of names. Some people call it Hey Hey. So anyways, it has like a floppy head and it is still alive. <laughs> it's been, a, we're in our 11th year. So this is an amazing chicken, but everybody loves that chicken. Um, anyway, so we had those. Now we have, we have too many horses. We have a lot of goats. We have sheep. We have rabbits, um, chicken still, obviously. I think that's everything. So you have, you have your own little farm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You, you're, you head into your second, third year. You have, did you create another time slot for people? Did you do afternoon or did you keep it to the morning or what did it look like for you in a week of teaching preschool? And what was your, um, I don't want to say curriculum, but what was your intention of like, what did you want them to learn? What was your desire as their teacher that these children would learn? So I always knew I wanted them to learn to love to be outside and also to love learning. And so it's funny because just in the last few years, I've learned so much about um, kind of having a mission statement and, and leading other teachers. Like that was really challenging for me to tell people what to do, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't love that part. And so I've had to learn a lot about it. Um, but we have our, basically our goals for the preschool is number one, to love all the children. Number two, to help them love learning and nature. And, and to instill this lifelong love of nature. So I've always known that that's what I wanted. I wanted them to get the benefits of being outside and want to keep that with them throughout the rest of their life. So that would be something that they would go to to cope with anything that they're gonna have to go through is let, let me get myself outside. That's what helps me. It's like, it's, I call it green therapy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I try to go outside every day just to feel I think the earth is magical. Just like you said. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Okay. So you, okay. Um, did you, I I'm trying to remember, cause I know when we talked years past, 
you, you had to add more teachers, right? Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, I had a helper. Um, I've also had Jed has helped me at different times throughout the years. Um, my mom helped me for a little while and I loved that cause she's so creative. So she brought a lot of creativity, uh, to the, the preschool. And then, you know, it's so fun to, she still loves to hear about the kids. She asks me questions like, and, and wants to hear the stories of what's happening. And it's so funny. Cause I don't even realize their stories in what I'm doing until she asks me. And then I'm like, oh yeah, this is really kind of interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think you asked me if I did afternoon. I did add an afternoon class for a while. Um, then we added a Monday, Wednesday. So we're currently where we have three classes, Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then we have a three-day class, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, which is what I teach. Um, but we've, I've just kind of gone through a lot of different scenarios and figured out I love this one the very best so far. Afternoon was hard. <laughs> I didn't love afternoon. Okay. So what do you love about this one now? Um, it's really nice because two of our classes are happening. We just are a half hour staggered. And so when everybody leaves to go home, there's no one here in the afternoon. And that was something that was hard. My busiest time was when I had morning and afternoon, Monday, Wednesday, and Tuesday, Thursday. And it was, there was just always people here till four o'clock. So having people, I mean, they're not in our home, but you know, just having people coming and going and present at your house, <laughs> it, it's nice when to have a break and be like, okay, we're done. Like by 145, everybody's gone for the day, which is really nice. And how many total children, like how many are in the two days and then the three day? So we have 10 to 12 is typically what our class sizes are with two teachers. So my class is four and five-year-olds and I am Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then the other classes are two days and they are three, four, and five years old. So, uh, it's a good, it's just been a really good balance. <laughs> okay. Now, speaking of balance, I want to ask you about how you personally balance because you've got Jaxley now and he's two. So how do you balance you being a mother and present? Cause you are a very good mother. You're a very good mother. I love to watch you. I just think you're attentive and loving and you're thoughtful and you treat them with such kindness and dignity. So how do you balance working, you know, providing this love for these children that are not yours, but also providing that for your children that are yours? Well, you know, having a business or working outside the home or just, I feel like anything is like this. You always have that guilt. <laughs> like I spend a lot of time on the preschool. I'm very passionate about it. I could work all day on it. And so I always have the guilt that I'm spending all this time on other children <laughs> and, you know, I maybe don't save the best for my kids. Um, but it, it was really hard. I feel like before COVID it was getting particularly hard. We got up to having 48 kids and that was just a lot of me dealing. Cause I'm teaching in the class, but also kind of the administrator too. And so I'm, basically dealing with 48 families and my kids sometimes are like okay like stop texting I text a lot because I'm talking to all of these people um so I have guilt about that <laughs> but it it's 
now getting to where it's a lot easier. I've kind of gotten into my groove. I think for a long time, I've always felt like I want the families to really feel like they're hitting the jackpot and have the best experience and getting so much value out of this. And so I would put kind of unnecessary pressure on myself to do like go above and beyond. And I think I've gotten to where I know what's important and what does matter and what is just like fluff, you know, <laughs> like this is unnecessary. And the only person that cares about this is you. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and Jed is really helpful for me with that because he kind of like helps me stay on this planet, I guess. <laughs> like I, and then I know what's really important to me. So if he's like, oh, you, I don't think you should do that. That's like too much. I'll be like, no, this is really important to me. And I know I want to do this. And sometimes there is value in the details and other times it is just too much and, and not necessary. So tell, tell everybody some of your favorite ideas, activities that you have come up with that you do with your children, with your preschool kids. Hmm, Okay. I was just talking about this last week because we did some color mixing. The very best color mixing that you can do is water color mixing. So you can put like food coloring or um, liquid watercolors. They come in like a concentrated bottle. And I have these old um, like laundry soap, the big laundry soap containers that you have to push the button and the, the liquid comes out the bottom. So I had, I mean, years ago, I washed those out really good. And then I spray painted them each a different color, like red, yellow, and, and blue. And then we just fill them up. So it's like a big, you know, it's like a gallon or two gallons, big, big laundry soap. Um, We fill them up with water and then give the kids clear containers. And it is magic. I mean, I keep using that word, but it really is magical the way that when you add red, watercolor and then yellow watercolor it instantly turns orange or you know red and blue instantly turns purple that's really fun and amazing so we we do a lot of learning through play and so we're kind of like really a mix of traditional preschool plus the outdoor side so I'll tell you I think we're going to talk a little more about our day but basically those are kind of that's kind of an activity that would be like a play activity that you could really do I mean, you're going to want to be outside because it's wet, (laughs) but I love, I love that activity. Um, Other things, I think we love to find things in the forest. Uh, I will hide letters or um, different like, like maybe I laminate like some pictures of animals or something that we find. And we love to do that. We love to play hide and seek in the forest that there's like a, you can play like a camouflage hide and seek where you have to be able to see the seeker, which is really the only way to do it with preschoolers because you don't want to lose anyone. <laughs> so they have to hide where they can still see you, but then you know you're trying to spot where they are in the forest. And and we play that also at our big kids summer camps, and it it gets a little more um, intense because they can hide really well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell everybody what a day if they came, what time would they can't come, and also. Everybody, you have to know, we're talking about Northwest Oregon, okay? We're not talking about Eastern or Central Oregon. We're talking about rain. Like Amanda was just saying, yesterday was our hello, fall, winter. We're going to hit you hard. So we got poured on yesterday. So um, 
how, like knowing all the elements, what would a day look like for the kids? Okay. I'll, I'll tell you all about a day. And then I want to come back to that, um, getting hit hard with that rain, because it's just so interesting, the dynamics of getting outside in that. Um, but okay. So when the children arrive, they, um, check in with their parents. We always have a question. Um, so something like, uh, have you ever seen a spider build a web? And then they're putting their name up on yes or no. And then they can help us feed the farm animals or they can just play. Um, they don't have to help if they don't want to. So usually we have kind of like a core group of kids that's really into feeding the animals and um, they'll kind of come and help. So we, we get them water and hay and you know we feed the chickens and the rabbits their food, collect the eggs. That's very popular. We have, so this is a little trick. If you're ever sending eggs randomly home with people is we cut up the egg cartons and then we wrap it in tape because otherwise you lose a lot of eggs. <laughs> it just gives it a little like protector. Um, so anyways, they're helping with the farm animals. Then we have like a traditional circle time. So in our barn classroom, and we also, I haven't mentioned, but we did add a yurt in 2019. So we have two classes. That's how we can have two classes going on at once. Okay. One is in the yurt, one is in the barn. Um, but in our barn classroom, we have little like log stumps and that's what the kids sit on during circle time. And so that's kind of our traditional part of the day is we always read a book, we always sing a song, we learn the letter, we do kind of a learning activity together. Um, and then after that, they have a full 45 minutes of free play time. So we always have a different art activity and then we'll change up. We usually have one or two, like a literacy or a math activity or some kind of other sensory, something that kind of goes along with our book usually. And so if you are looking for a preschool and you're looking for something that is supposed to be play-based, I definitely say, look at their schedule and see if they are truly giving the kids 45 minutes. Because even at 45 minutes of playtime, which is so important for kids, it still doesn't even ever feel like enough time. They need time to get into what they're doing and to really get into their interests. And if they're not getting that chunk of time, it's not truly play-based and it's not giving them the opportunity um, to really, because that's really how they're going to learn to focus and to grow their attention spans and to make the connections with other children in preschool. So that really big chunk of time is, is really great for them. And then we have our snack um, and we do like a little, one little more traditional preschool thing right after snack that we sneak in, which is like, uh, we write, like we work on our letters and our names. So we write, we have like little folders that we write in, um, writing our letters and our names. And um, sometimes we'll do like chalkboards or whiteboards during that time. And then the last hour. So again, we're getting a whole big, huge chunk of time to really uh, play, which is essentially what our hikes are. We probably hike about three quarters of a mile would be my guess. Like that's our longest hike, but I mean, we do it over an hour. So we're like, we have tons of places we stop along the way. We have like different spots in the forest. We have a bouncy, we have names for them. So like the bouncy tree, the spaceship, um, the, the tire fort, the hazelnut fort, the ponds. So we have lots of places. They know exactly where our stopping points are. Like we'll hike to a spot and they're like, okay, here we are to play. And so then we take time there and move on. And then 
on our hike, a lot of times we'll have some kind of directive, like maybe we're taking clipboards and looking for something or doing like a hunt or um, we, we take a lot of hay rides. They love that. <laughs> that can, hay rides helps to get us to different spots in our, um, in our forest because sometimes we wanna go somewhere that's kind of far away and we won't have the time. Um, so then, and then that's the end of the day. So it's about three and a half hours. That, that the kids are there. Do they eat lunch with you or do they go home? Um, they have, so they have snack, but, um, some of them it's kind of their lunch and some of them it's just a little snack. It just kind of depends on how long they'll sit and eat, <laughs> but that's like in the very, very middle of the day. Okay. So I want to, I want to ask you, you talked about Jed being your, the partner that just like helps you get all these things done. So I want you to tell more about how much that means to you and kind of what you have done together as a partnership and marriage of getting this preschool going and being successful. So Jed is like so handy. And so, I mean, obviously I'm biased. I think he's really smart. <laughs> he is, I call him our maintenance man, our builder, our substitute teacher. He's my life coach. He is my cheerleader. He, I really, I honestly could not do this without him because he listens to me talk about it all day long. It's gotta be so boring for him, but he seems interested. <laughs> He's nice like that. Um, he is always like, I'm like, oh, I wanna try this. He will just build it. He just, and he enjoys that. He enjoys being creative. So it's kind of a fun um, opportunity, I guess, for both of us that I can kind of dream things up and then he can be like, yeah, I can build this. So he just puts it together. He doesn't ever wanna, he would never be like a, someone that would build the same thing over and over again and sell it. He likes to do new creative things. So it's, it's a good, good uh, chance for him to do that. Um, he, yeah, he's, I wish that he loved to work in the preschool because he's really good with the kids and they love him. Um, it's not necessarily his passion, <laughs> so, but he will, he's willing to sub and, and they, the kids really know him because he's always out working on things around here. And so they're very interested in that. And they're like, I, I had a little girl once tell me, my brother, so she came to my summer camp. So she was older and her little brother was in preschool. And she's like, my brother loves Mr. Jed. He talks about him all the time. <laughs> they just, he's kind of like this little celebrity because he, they can see all these things he's creating and they're just so interested in it. And um, sometimes I'm a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> What's something that you had in your mind that you wanted Jed to create? And you said, can you do this for me? And he did it. What was it? So we used to have a little sink that was like one of those outdoor sinks that you just hook up to the hose would take forever to wash hands. All the kids had to line up and it was cold. So I'm like, we need like a quicker sink. This was years ago. He built this for us, but he built me a sink. Like we got kind of like the bottom of a sink and then he made one with, it has four um, spouts and it's hooked up to a hot water heater that's outside. And so 
I mean, that I think I take for granted now how wonderful that is. <laughs> but that's something, I mean, that's just like a little example. He creates, so our cubbies in the barn are made out of fallen trees, basically. So they're too high. It's like a, probably a six foot log. And he's with a chainsaw cut out the middle of the log. And then it opens up with a door, like the, the log is the door. And it has hinges on it anyway. So they keep their stuff in that. And I think every year that I kept adding more students and he had to create more, he was like, no, <laughs> but they're really, really neat cubbies. Oh, Amanda, that's so creative. Okay. I want to know, um, what has working with children taught you personally? Okay, this is such an easy question for me because I think you learn so much for, from children. But the main thing that I've learned from working with so many children is that all children are lovable. Every single child is lovable. And sometimes a child might just take a little bit longer because maybe they just have kind of a, a hard shell exterior. But if you take the time to get to know a child, you will always end up loving them. They always have lovable things about them. And I think that is such an example to me about just people in general, that that is what exists in our world too with people. Kids are just cuter, but, <laughs> but I definitely think that there's just so much value in knowing that if I just take the time to get to know someone, it will be love will come basically come with it. Okay. Can you tell some cute stories of the kids and things that they've done? Yeah. Okay. So there's so many, I could talk about this all day long, Good. <laughs> go ahead. But okay. I, one funny thing is I told you that, you know, we used to have morning and afternoon classes. So I would like run in, eat really fast and like just quickly do the turnaround and come back out for the next class. And one day I had brought my lunch with me. So I had like a plate and a sandwich on it. And I was walking out and saying hi to the kids. And like, typically I'll get down like on my knee to talk to a child. So, you know, you're like at eye level with them. And so I had like knelt down to say hi to this little boy. And he sees my sandwich on the plate and he's like, oh, and he grabs it and takes a big old bite out of it and then sets it back on my plate. And I was just like, I think I had two other teachers right there with me and they were just cracking up and they're like, you were just stunned. You were, your, your jaw dropped and you were just looking like, oh my goodness, he just took a bite of my sandwich. Um, so that was kind of cute. That's cute. <laughs> I have, um, I've had, I had a little girl that came into the preschool. She did not like to get dirty at all. And by the time she left, she was in love with mud. She came to summer camp like a year or two later and she was like, where is the mud? She was so upset that there was no mud in the summer, but she would basically take like mud baths because they dress, it's really um, intricate the way that they have to dress. They wear like a whole outer waterproof layer. And so, I mean, they really can lay down in the mud. <laughs> so do you literally tell parents, look, these are the things that you need to have for your child for them to come? Yes. And that is something that has been a game changer in the beginning. I was not very, I wasn't very educated or good about sharing with the families exactly what they should be wearing. 
and I wasn't, I don't feel like I held them to it very well. And now it's like, this is what they have to wear to be successful in this program. And we rarely have any trouble with the, they don't, they do not mind being out here. They do really well in all the extremes. <laughs> so, okay. Tell, tell some more stories then tell some more stories. Okay. So we used to go to the bathroom in our house. Now we have, um, a, a bathroom out by the preschool, but the kids used to have to come in. So we'd have to like walk them into my house to go to the bathroom. So they were really used to like coming in here and stuff. And so just two little small examples about that. And then I'll tell you a really big one. But one time I was helping a kiddo, like he had just finished the bathroom. So like I opened the door and he had, we had our toothbrushes and a toothbrush holder, a toothbrush holder. And he had one of our toothbrushes and there was like a decorative pumpkin in the bathroom and he was scrubbing the pumpkin with our toothbrushes. And to this day, I still keep our toothbrushes in a drawer now. (laughs) (laughs) You never know what people are going to do with your toothbrushes in the bathroom. I thought Uh, you were going to say that he was brushing his teeth. So, (laughs) I mean, I guess at least he was cleaning with it, right? (laughs) Um, We had, so we also had like a little decorative like candy corn candle and a kiddo like grabbed it and took a bite out of it. (laughs) (laughs) You just... Like when you're going to have things around preschoolers, you just have to be aware of all of the options of things that could happen with it. Um, we have like a lot of our families after after preschool, they'll kind of hang out and t- talk with other people and like kind of let their kids play. And then we're just cleaning up. And so we've like transferred the kids to the parents. We're cleaning up. Well, this was happening one day and um, this little boy, so a dad was letting his kids play and we all of a sudden hear shouting someone running to us like water in the house water in the house and so we come running and this little boy has the hose with like a spray nozzle on it standing on our porch with the front door open just spraying the inside of our house just (laughs) coating it with water and I mean I think the dad was a little embarrassed but it just it was so funny to us. It took a lot of towels to clean that clean up. It up. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I actually have like, maybe not a funny story, but a really sweet story. Um, my, okay. Just, I think it was just last year. I had a little girl that they had gotten a puppy and the puppy was just a few months old and it got sick and passed away. And it was really sad. And the whole family was just really sad. It was, I mean, that's devastating to lose your puppy. And so she was telling us during circle time about this experience that they had lost their puppy. And another little boy just like sat up and like raised his hand and kind of like went over by her. And he said, that is so sad. And he just had so much empathy and love and just like, truly was really feeling how sad that would be for her. And I will just never forget watching them have that moment and him kind of just saying, you know, how much he, he cared for her and, and felt for her. So, I mean, kids are just amazing. They can really show us a lot about how to be right. Oh, that's so true. Do you have any more stories you can share with us? 
I mean, I could probably go on all day, um, but I won't. But I, okay, one more thing that's kind of cute is one time we were sitting out by the, so we try and eat snack outside as much as possible. Um, so we were sitting out by the garden eating our snack and it was like fine. The weather was fine. Um, we're eating and then all of a sudden it just starts pouring down rain. We're all sitting out here with like our, you know, just getting soaking wet. So most of the kids all just ran into the greenhouse and were like took their snack with them and were eating in there. But I had two little girls that just sat out there and just kept eating their snack right through the pouring down rain. <laughs> so I was like, that is pretty hardcore. They're just sitting there letting it pour on them and eating their snacks. <laughs> oh, so cute. Okay. Now I know because Matt has, you know, Matt and he in public education, there are those precious things, but I, I didn't ask you this earlier, but how have you overcome challenges where you might have a child that's struggling or is doing things that really can disrupt a little bit of how the preschool is being run? Like, can you share some of the methods you've used to kind of work with that child or, um, make them have more success than they're experiencing with their behaviors? Yeah, I think something that I've learned within the last, I would say like maybe four years, I've started to realize that, you know, a lot of times you're going through something and you're like, oh, this is a problem. Like we're having a problem and you're just kind of like trying to survive it. And it feels like you're drowning a little sometimes. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, wait, I just need to take a step back because I am a grown up and I can figure this out. Like I, if I use my brain and I put my head together with, you know, other teachers and parents, we can figure this out. And that is what we're here for. We are here to support this child and we can figure this out. So I think just like really realize, like empowering yourself to know that you have the answers and it's within you, but you just have to take that time to really consider and figure out the child, um, that is huge. Uh, so recently I just had something happen to me that, and I kind of, and we, we can talk more about this, but I was like having some troubles with two kiddos. They were struggling a lot. And so I was working a lot with the parents and one of the parents had told me, you know, the other parent just sat down and prayed with them. So the, the interesting thing about this is, you know, I'm religious and some of my families are religious. Some of them are not, but these two ladies just happen to be really religious. I think they both go to different churches and different church for me, but you know, they're just all um, believe in God and obviously pray. So, so the one parent said the other one sat down with these children and prayed. And she said that to me and it was like, just dawned on me. I need to be praying for this. And why am I not? And so I immediately, I think I, the, that day texted both of them and said, I'm going to start really praying for both of them and, you know, working on this. And so the next time that we had school, I literally was like, kept waking up all night thinking about it. And I would just pray every time I just keep praying. And the next day when they came, we had the best day that we had ever had with them. And so since then, I just keep praying and it is working. It is totally working. And so I think that 
I feel really grateful to have that extra help. And I think mostly I just need to remember that I do have that extra help and to utilize it, you know? Um, but then I think the other biggest thing that I would say with kids when you have challenges is connecting with them. That is, they do not care what you think or what you want them to do if they don't feel like you care about them. So getting to know them and really connecting with them and listening and, you know, being their, their advocate is what is a huge game changer for if you're having kind of like behavioral problems or, or just any kind of issues. That's great, Amanda. I love it. Um, I wanted to ask you, when did you start your summer, summer camps? Oh, I feel like pretty early on, probably, I would say probably like the third year or so. Um, And so we have kind of done, like I've done different things. I've done like three or four weeks of camps, but the last few years I'm down to, I just do one week of camp because Uh, you know, that balancing that time with having my kids home and working. And so now we're down to one week of camp, which is really, it makes it like a really fun, wonderful thing to look forward to. And I have a lot of kids that just, I I wouldn't stop doing them because I think they'd be so devastated. (laughs) They really look. How, how, how many hours in the day, each day during a week do you have Um, there? So I have, uh, we usually do five, let's see, six to 10 year olds in a group and they're here for five hours a day for summer camp. And then we'll do preschool. They're here for four hours during that time. Um, but the, the big kids are so fun. Camp summer camp is so fun because, well, I tell preschool families that it's like the best of preschool, because if you don't enjoy bundling your child up, then bring them to summer camp because they can really experience all the best of preschool in that week. And then the big kids, they know what it's like to go to regular school. And so they're just thrilled to be here. They love to be outside. And it's so fun when I get preschoolers that I've had that come to camp because they will go kind of through the forest and they'll be like, I remember this and I remember this. And they'll point things out and kind of bring back their their preschool memories. So that's kind of neat. Oh, that is. Okay. What would you tell parents that, because I I think we are living in a world today where we are not outside much and we're afraid of things that could happen to our kids. So we don't say, Hey, go out and ride your bike or go take a walk or, um, and so I think it's kind of tricky because also the devices are screaming to grab their attention and, and have them sit in front of the TV. So what would you tell parents or people that grandmas and grandpas that are trying to get their grandchildren and children outside more? Like what's some advice you could give? I have a lot of advice. (laughs) Sorry if you're all tired of hearing me, but I, um, first of all, have you ever heard of the book? There's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothes. There's a book and there's a saying, um, I think it's kind of like a, maybe like a Swedish or Danish saying or something but they say because they're very into going outside so they say that you just need the proper clothes and it is so true if you easily get cold outside it's kind of funny because my sister brought her daughter to my preschool and I think that she learned from that how to dress outside (laughs) and she's like 
because she gets and like I said earlier that I'm really wimpy so I have to dress well or I could not survive it but basically do a google search on how to dress for the outdoors because you need a base layer you need a warming layer you need a waterproof layer waterproof windproof layer in the winter you need a winter coat you need mittens um Hand warmers are huge. You can get like a big pack at Costco. That is, hands are the most challenging thing for us in preschool. And since we've been doing hand warmers, do you know that now they make rechargeable hand warmers? It's like a brand new thing. You just plug it into a cell phone charger. And it is amazing because you don't have to feel like you're wasting throwing away warmers, you know, that always felt really wasteful to me. (laughs) Um, But it's just like a nice soft little thing that you hold and it it warms up. That is huge. Um, So getting clothes to go outside, definitely start small. And then as a parent, do something that you want to do. Because if you don't enjoy going to the park, you're not going to want to take your kids to the park and have that be your only way to get outside. But if you enjoy a pretty view or a waterfall, or, you know, if you like walking with your kids, then do something like that to get outside. Um, it is, so Beth mentioned that yesterday was a really rude entrance to winter for us. We literally have had an amazing fall. It's been like 80 degrees more days than not in Oregon, which is, and we live close to the mountain. So we have like, we're at 1200 feet where we are here. And so it's just cold. And um, so this, this fall has been really, really nice, but I think all of us teachers were like, oh, this is going to be rough when, when it gets cold. So our first cold day was completely wet. It poured like crazy on us. We were drenched um, at the end of the day, but, and, and, you know, it didn't, there were not, not challenges, you know, it was a little bit of an adjustment getting kind of used to it. We had a lot of mittens. We go through a lot of mittens. <laughs> because preschoolers haven't really grasped the concept yet of like, if they have a cotton mitten and they put it in water, it's going to no longer keep their hands warm. And so we're just like switching out mittens like crazy all day long. So that's another thing. The dollar store mittens, they're the easiest. They're fuzzy and soft. They feel so comfortable on their hands, but they're really, it's easy to just have a lot of them because they're a dollar. Well, a dollar twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can wash them really easily. So those are my favorite go-to mittens. Um, but anyways, so we're like so wet and cold, and you know, we're all just like, oh, this is gonna be a hard day. And then we get out on the hike and we're out there and it's still pouring on us. But I'm just like looking at all these kids, like you are out here in this and you are doing amazing. You're having fun. You're being tough. You know, uh, there will be moments where they're like, oh, like I had a little boy come up to me like, oh, I'm cold. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, well, let's get you some new mittens. And, you know, you get them situated and then they're back at it playing. And I think that we're missing so much of, um, you know, knowing how to do hard things like our kids, we have so, even just as as adults, we have these devices that just make everything instant gratification. And it's so easy to give it to our kids because it's really hard to raise kids and you have this like nice little break, but it's making us kind of forget that we can do hard things and that we can be patient and we can overcome. And so I just thought our day yesterday was just such a good example of that because 
I really felt like so much gratitude. I felt like when we came in and we're taking off our dripping coats, it was just kind of like amusing that we had just been out in that. And you feel such a sense of accomplishment. Like we were out in that and not very many people are willing to do that. And so it's just like, but if you do, you will feel so good. I promise. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) So what are your goals for the future? What does it look like for you in the next five, 10 years? Ooh, that's tough. I feel like in some ways I've kind of arrived at what I've wanted. Um, And so for a long time, I really wanted to start a school and I still feel like that's calling to me because I joke that like, okay, well, I didn't get to do it with my kids. They had to go through regular education, my older kids. Now that we have a two-year-old, we're like, oh, we've started all over. (laughs) We can do it better this time. So I'm like, well, maybe for him, we'll start a, a school that goes up, but I don't know. I feel like we're, it's, we're in such a good balance of like work and it's hard to, um, you know, take those big plunges and I know that they're worth it, but, um, I think a school would be wonderful. I think maybe teaming up with the right people might be the right thing for that. Um, and so maybe it will eventually come. I think I'm always just trying to perfect the program. So I'll just keep doing that. (laughs) Okay. And then speaking of for you, what would, what would you say are your personal goals for your life in the next five to 10 years? Hmm. Oh, that's tough. Um, I think clearly I need to think more about that and put more time into it. But um, I think that I really am just so interested in learning more about children. I highly recommend um, Becky Bailey. She does, she has like a whole school-wide discipline program that called Conscious Discipline. And so we follow that as teachers were studying it. Um, And uh, my sister just told me that their school district has adopted that which I was so excited to hear. And they give all the parents one of her parenting books, which is called Easy to Love, Difficult to Discipline, which is a really great book. And so I would love to become more um, knowledgeable in that. She has a lot of uh, programs that you can that you can go to and you know become more like coach certified in that way. Uh, I would love to do more things with that for sure. Okay. I'm going to say them again, because I know there are going to be moms and grandmas. So easy to love, difficult to discipline by Becky Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y. Yes. And that's one of her books. She has one of her books. She has a lot. And then the conscious discipline is the program. Yeah. It's a school-wide program to basically teach schools. And, and the idea behind it, it's just so amazing because it's trying to help children to be intrinsically motivated versus extrinsically yes and and that's basically you know that's how we grew up that's how we know what to teach them is like oh you bribe them and then they'll do what you want them to do but that isn't what helps them to gain who they are going to feel the best at you know and and I don't know I think you probably talk about this a lot on your podcast how trying not to like fulfill your bucket in other ways, um, like extrinsically, we want to know that we are valuable no matter what. And so 
that's kind of what it's teaching that like you do this you want to do what's being asked of you because it feels good and not because someone else wants you to do it yeah Amanda, before I ask you my last question, I just want to tell you that I have had so many friends that have had their children go through your preschool, your outdoor preschool. And I want you to know that you will be called blessed. (laughs) They love you. Their children love you. They are so happy that they had had something so amazing here for their kids to go to, even if they had to drive. I mean, some of them have drove 15, 20, 25 minutes to get to your place because it's so awesome. So I am so grateful that you have this passion and I think you're perfect for it. Did the kids call you Miss Amanda? Yep. (laughs) They do. I love it. Okay. My last question to you, is there anything else before we, I asked you my last question that you want to share that I might've missed? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I told you I could talk about this all day. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I want to know, how do you personally seek light? Well, definitely for me, that is prayer. And I kind of mentioned that a little bit, but um, I feel like I do think I forget too quickly how, how valuable that is to me. But every single time that I pray, I feel like my prayers are answered pretty quickly. I feel like I always know that, um, that I like that he hears me, that I am important. And when it's so funny because I, I, there's so much stress that can come from running something like this, you know, and, and dealing with a lot of people. And, and of course we always tend to focus on the, like, I mean, I'll get nine great reviews and then one maybe challenge. I've never really had a bad review, I should say. (laughs) But, you know, one challenge and that's like what you focus on that you're just like, and it's like, it, it can be so stressful, but, and then sometimes I'm like, this is so trivial. Like, why am I, why am I stressing so much about these things when this is, such like, what do we say? First world problems. Like, you know, this is not a big deal, but I know that when I pray, my heavenly father helps me to feel like he does care, even if it is just kind of trivial sometimes. (laughs) Um, But okay. The other thing I wanted to tell you that kind of goes along with seeking light was I was listening to, my mom told me to listen to your podcast about the school over in, is it in Beaverton? On the West side with Erica Blanchard. Yeah. And um, because she knew I would be interested in that because I'm really interested in alternative education. And so I listened and really enjoyed that. And she mentioned on there that they had been praying for their burdens to be made lighter. And I was like, oh my gosh, it has never occurred to me to do that because sometimes I really feel like my burdens are really heavy. I think I'm, I'm guessing we all feel like that sometimes, yeah. but like Jen and I both, he started a business last year. We both have a business. We, he works a full-time job outside of that. We're taking care of this farm. Sometimes it just feels like so much, like we can't catch up and, and the work is never done. Like we're always like, we really need to go do something fun, but it, with all this 80 degree weather, we need to get outside and get the things done. (laughs) Um, So it just, 
can feel like a lot of burdens. And so I really started praying that my burdens could be made light. And I have totally felt a weight lifted. I don't know if things have gotten easier, but it feels like it. And I just think that prayer is just so powerful. And our Heavenly Father, He cares about us and He wants us to, He wants us, He wants the children to come and be outside in nature. So He doesn't want this to kill me. <laughs> he wants to make my burdens lighter so that I can help to do it. And so, anyways, that's my, that's my spiel about. well you know the outdoors is god's masterpiece and we are in his masterpiece and so i just i love what you're doing and i couldn't think of a more light giving job i don't even probably you probably don't even call it a job but just this experience you're going through and teaching these kids i just I want you to know, I think it's amazing. And, and I love children. And so I'm so thankful that they have someone like you to guide them. So Amanda, thank you. I am so grateful that you listened to my latest podcast. Please share these episodes with your family and friends. I look forward to being with you again soon. Have a great day.